This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are in week five of our Flourish series, and I am excited and thankful to have the opportunity to share with you today. The last few weeks, we have been talking about how to live a life that flourishes as we've been going through a book called Flourish by Pastor Lee Cummings. If you don't already have a copy, we encourage you to get one today at CourageousChurch.com Flourish. Psalms 92.12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And that is our hope for you today, that you would flourish in all you do. Today, I want to talk to you about a super important factor to living a life that flourishes. We are going to be talking specifically about identity. When preparing for today, I was reminded of the 1937 Disney movie, Snow White. The evil queen was definitely someone who struggled with identity. The queen was so jealous of Snow White's purity and beauty. There she stood, looking at herself, searching for her own identity, asking, mirror, mirror, on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? The queen here reminds me a lot of the enemy as she searches for her identity, so jealous of anyone else that could be fairer than she. Where else do we see this story? It's in Isaiah 14, 14. The morning star, a.k.a. the devil, he said, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. It's as if he's saying, I will be the fairest in all the land. Here we see the original attempt at identity theft. The enemy is the true theft of identity, and he does not want you to know who you really are. The devil said, I will be like God, but yet God made you in his image. Genesis 1, and 27 said, he created us in his image, male and female. The devil said, I will be seated on high, yet God made you seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6 tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Don't you think the enemy might have it out for you just a little bit because of this? One of the strategies of hell is to bring identity confusion. Satan has no creative power and God created you to be in his image. The enemy can only try to distort, pervert, and destroy using different tools like pain and trauma to confuse you about your identity. He uses many things to distort your identity. He uses others' opinions about you. He could use the media to make you think you need to be or act a certain way. He uses negative thoughts. He uses the lies you tell yourself depending on your feelings, which can change from day to day. Your identity is a battlefield. The devil doesn't want you to know who you really are and whose you really are. There is only one who has the right and authority to tell you who you are, and that is the one who created you. God wants you to flourish in your identity. You are not defined by your past, your struggles, your mistakes, your circumstances, or even the last relationship you had. 
Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. You are who God says you are. You're not a mistake. If there's any mirror in this life that we should be looking into, it is the Word of God. John 8, 31 and 32 says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Isn't that good news? And yet, many of us, where do we get our identity from? Well, from our family, our bloodlines, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters. Maybe from your career, gifts and talents, from your peers and friends. Is it from Hollywood and the media that our culture is so inundated with? Even now, the struggle in our nation is being exposed as we are seen before our very eyes in real time, a nation in identity crisis for who we are as a nation and for whose we are and what we stand for. Now, God created family to be a generational blessing, but yet because of brokenness and the lack of knowledge of who we are in Christ, family sometimes instead becomes curses of insecurity. Things that can hinder our identity can be things like broken homes, abuse, neglect, divorce, being an orphan. God's original plan was created for you to be in a healthy family. Planning ourselves in a local church, which is the family of God, is so essential to finding your true identity. Spiritual foundations with spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters help you to know who you really are and what God says about you is so key to finding your happiness and is directly connected to your identity. If you don't know who you are, you cannot be fulfilled. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You need to know who's your daddy, your Abba, your father God. It's time to claim your inheritance. Just like Joshua, as he crossed the Jordan into the promised land, many battles will be won and much land recovered as God's children reclaim their inheritance because they claim and reclaim their identity in Christ. Let's take a look at a few others in the Bible who may have been struggling with their identity. God shows up and he has an encounter with Abram and his name is changed to Abraham. He goes on to birth a nation. Sarai, her name's changed to Sarah, who was barren, but she goes on to birth Isaac. Saul to Paul, persecuting those who believed in Jesus, but then he has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he becomes a great apostle and a follower of Christ. Jacob to Israel, he was a deceiver transformed to one who is now blessed by God. These are such powerful awakenings of where someone is changed and their identity now can flourish. In Judges, we see the story of a man named Gideon with whom the angel of the Lord came to meet because he needed a shift in his identity. Gideon was the underdog. He was operating in fear and insecurity. He was unconfident and not feeling worthy of the cause. 
so the angel appears and basically says, let me tell you who you are and who I am. The Lord is with you. Judges 6.12 tells us, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Do you understand? Your whole family is dependent on you, your children, your friends. This nation is counting on you to know your God-given identity. Then we see Simon in Matthew 16. Jesus asked Simon, who do you say that I am? And Simon replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus responds, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood did not tell you that, but my father revealed that to you. Because my father revealed that to you, who I am, I am now going to reveal who you are. Verse 18 says, you are Peter, and on that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom on heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. C.S. Lewis says, your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. The principle runs all through life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose yourself and you will save it. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred and loneliness and despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look to Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. People live in lack. They live in isolation and loneliness because of a lie they believe about who they are or aren't. But fortunately, Jesus not only came to save us from our sins, but to bring us truth, to radically reshape our understanding of who we are so we can flourish in our identity. It took Jesus 30 plus years living in obscurity to then step onto the scene and be baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. This is likely the same place that Joshua took the Israelites across the Jordan from the wilderness into the promised land. But this time, instead of opening the Jordan, Matthew 3 shows up and it show, says that God parted the heavens and declares, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus's identity was affirmed both publicly and corporately. The devil likes to try and get us when we are alone and isolated. And that is why it's so important to be built up corporately in fellowship with your church family as the body of Christ. When Jesus went into the wilderness, the devil attacked his identity. And Matthew 4, 3 tells us, he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If he can attack Jesus' identity, how much more is he going to try to attack yours and mine? Now let's see what your Heavenly Father, your Creator, says about your identity. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There are some key things I want you to note here about your identity. Number one, in Christ, I am accepted. The deepest wounds can come from rejection. We try to earn acceptance by the clothes we wear or the houses we buy, the friends we meet, may, might make, 
Does anyone remember in school when the teams went to pick one kid at a time for a game maybe like dodgeball? Were you ever the kid that was picked last? Do you remember what that felt like? Being rejected was awful. What a feeling it was to have felt like you were the last one to be chosen. But in 1 Peter, God tells us that he chose you. Ephesians 1.4 also tells us he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption and sonship through Jesus. Jesus made me acceptable by his death on the cross. And I am so thankful for that. John 3.16 says, God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So it's by his grace that he gave us the hope of eternal life, not based on who I am, but based on who he is. He made us and his son died for us. Next, I am extremely valuable. Your life is priceless. The Latin term is imago Dei. We are made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. There is no one like you. You are one of a kind. No one has your thumbprint, your DNA. They're not the same. God even knows the number of hairs on your head. He wants you to be you and not anyone else. So don't ever compare yourself to others. Ephesians 2.10 says, You are a holy nation and a people belonging to God. What makes something valuable? Well, value depends on who owns something. Would a guitar owned by Elvis Presley or Justin Bieber or your neighbor be worth more? It depends on who owns it that gives it its value. God created you, and so you are his workmanship and are extremely valuable. You are his child. Jesus gave and paid the ultimate price with his life for you, and you are valuable. Value also depends on how much something is worth and how much someone's willing to pay for it. So if I have a Michael Jordan card, how much do you think that would be worth? Well, again, it depends on how much someone is willing to pay for it. The greatest ransom ever paid was paid for you. So the people who told you that your life is worthless, well, they're wrong. You are accepted and you are valuable. Next, I want you to say, I am loved. 1 Peter 2.10 said, once you were nothing, but now you are a people of God. Jeremiah 3.13 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's unfailing. We can definitely fail each other, can't we? Our love can be failing, but his is not. Psalms 105 said, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And here's one of my favorites, Romans 8, 38 through 39. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not death, not life, nor angels, nor demons can separate us from the love of God. Next point I want to make to you today is that you are forgiven. In Christ, your sins are completely wiped out. You might say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. But guess what? God, your maker does. Your creator does. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
God is a forgiving father. In Isaiah 43, 25, he blots out all your transgressions and remembers them no more. Anyone know anyone that's like an elephant and they can just never forget the things that you have done to them? Yeah. Well, God is not like that. He has forgiven you completely and he does not remember your sins again. Jesus paid the cost. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I love that word. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 tells us, When someone comes into relationship with Christ, they become a new creation, and they are born again. You get a new heart, a new nature, and a new identity. That is so we can have reconciliation with the God who created us. Lastly, I want you to say, I am fully capable. You are not a nobody. You are not incompetent. You are fully capable to become what God created you to be. As a believer in Christ, 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a royal priest chosen to tell about the wonderful acts of God who has called you out of darkness and into his light. You can go directly to God to confess your sins. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not the letter of the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And that means you are capable because Christ lives in you. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in summary, of these points, in Christ you are accepted, you're valuable, you're loved, you're forgiven, and you're capable. You are not what Satan accuses you of what negative people say about you, what someone in your, your family might say, or how you feel on a day-to-day -day basis. But instead, you are a child of God, a son, a daughter. You're co-heirs with Christ, and your citizenship is in heaven. Let's pray together now. Dear God, we come to you and we just thank you. We ask God that you would help us to see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us to see others, God, the way that you see them, God. Thank you, God, that we can follow you, God, and we can follow the model that you set for us to walk in your identity. God, we just ask, God, that, that you would come into our hearts if we don't know you, God. We declare you as Lord of our lives. God, we thank you that we can flourish in identity because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that we are capable. We just dedicate our lives to you and our identity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today and want to let us know if it's your first time maybe dedicating your life to Christ or saying those words, please let us know in the comments section, or you can reach out to us by filling out a digital connect card at our website, courageouschurch.com. We would also love to pray for you. So if you have any prayer needs, please let us know. 
Lastly, we want to remind you to honor God with your giving. We believe your giving is powerful. It allows us to advance God's mission for the people of Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, and beyond. The best way to give is to head over to our website, CourageousChurch.com, to give online. We thank you for your generosity and support. Amen. And God bless you. May you flourish in your identity. And as always, may you remember to be strong and courageous. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.